Hey everyone, it's Michelle and Brandy, and this is Spooky Shit. So this week we're going to be talking about Deadly Obsessions. Uh, I'm going to start off by talking about Michelle Lee. Oh no, I'm Michelle. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be talking about the murder of Asia McGowan. Warning. This episode may contain graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. All right. So uh, I want to apologize. I'm probably going to butcher her name. Okay. She's um, Vietnamese. But her name was, her full name was Michelle Huang Tai Li. I believe. Huang. Or T Li. It's H O A N G. I think that's Huang. Huang? Yeah. What's the other one? How do you spell it? T H I. Hey, Robert. Is it like Thi? Nope. T H I, a Vietnamese name. How do you pronounce that? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just T. Oh. We got our resident uh, Vietnamese person behind us to pronounce <laughs> all the names for us. <laughs> and H U A N G is Huang. H U A N G, yeah. Huang. You can just say Huang because sometimes it's Hong. Oh, sometimes it's Hong, but just say Huang. Huang. Okay, so it's Michelle Huang T. Lee. Cool. Yeah, he's coming in with all this knowledge. I'm like, damn. Um, but yeah, she was born on October 12th, 1984, and grew up in the Rancho Penasquitos neighborhood of San Diego. Wait, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Rancho Penasquitos. Really? Yeah, for like two years. Damn. That's so weird. Um, but you... already. A Michelle that lived in Rancho Penasquitos? Uh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she actually graduated from Mount Carmel High School in 2002. Oh my god. I've driven past that. <laughs> I'm not scary to think about that she was literally from here. It's too close to home. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, she attended San Francisco State University and studied nursing at Samuel Merritt University in Oakland, California. Nice. In May of 2011, Michelle mysteriously disappeared from the Kaiser Permanente Hayward Medical Center in Northern California. Well, in Hayward to be specific. (laughs) Ah, specific. (laughs) I thought you were going to say exact. You're like, exact. (laughs) (laughs) The exact coordinates. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Um, But yeah, she said that she was going to take a break from her classes and told colleagues that she was going to her car, but she never returned. Oh, hell no. When she said a break from her classes, did she just mean like for a second? Yeah. Okay. I This wasn't like well, a, I'm leaving for a couple weeks, I need a break. Oh, no. I, like okay. it was literally just like, just like a 15 minute break or something. Oh, oh shit. Okay. That's like intense. Fuck. Well, because at the medical center, like she was a, what's it called? Like interning. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she was going to school at the same time. She's busy, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the morning after her disappearance on May 27th, 2011, her white Honda SUV was found with bloodstains around 9 a.m. parked on the Ponderosa Court about half a mile from the medical center. Oh, it was so close. Yep. Shit. Her family put up billboards and offered a reward for information about her whereabouts. Over the next four months, at least eight volunteer search efforts were made. Some were organized by the Claus Kids Foundation, Mm -hmm. which is a public charity organization devoted to preventing crimes against children, assisting in the recovery of missing children, and lobbying for legislative assistance. How old was she again? She was 26. 26. Oh, okay. But they were just helping. It wasn't yeah, they were a child. Just <laughs> really involved. Okay. Got it. Um, there was actually like a variety of missing persons organizations that like joined to help. Wow. I was like, that's cool. That's really cool that they got so many people coming in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, on the eighth search, they found a decomposed human 
remains in a remote <sighs> canyon area on September 17th, 2011. Jeez. On September 19th, two days later, um, the Alameda County Coroner's Office positively identified the remains to be those of Michelle. Hmm. Police suspected from the beginning that Michelle had been killed by someone she knew, someone close to her. Ugh. Police actually arrested a woman named Giselle Esteban prior oh. to Michelle's body being found. Oh, no. <laughs> You're like, what? I'm like, very confused. You'll, you'll, you'll understand. Okay. Um, But now, just a little bit of Giselle. So, I'm going to butcher this. So, Giselle D. D. Wag. Okay. Esteban was born on February 4th, 1984 in Union City, California. She was actually pretty good friends with Michelle, and they went to the same high school together. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, since police suspected the killer was close to Michelle, they looked into everyone, like literally everyone close to her. Yeah. Um, and they ended up finding DNA evidence under a pair of sneakers in Giselle's home. It matched the bloodstains found in Michelle's Honda. Holy shit. Um, and they dug deeper and also found a surveillance video confirming Giselle's presence in the area at the time of Michelle's disappearance. Oh my gosh. And as I mentioned before, Giselle and... I almost said Michael. My... <laughs> <laughs> Giselle and Michelle... Hey, I just noticed they're double L's. <laughs> forgive, me. <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned before, Giselle and Michelle were friends in high school, and they were, like, best friends until a man got involved. Oh, God. You can guess where this is gonna go. Yeah. The man in question is Scott Marasigan. I apologize if I butchered it. <laughs> so, Scott and Giselle met back in 2002 when they were both freshmen at San Francisco State University. And she's actually the one that introduced him to Michelle. Oh, okay. Because, like, they were friends and they were going... She was going, actually, to San Jose University, I believe, Okay. Which is, like, not that far. It's not very far at all. I think it's only, like, an hour or two, right? I think so. We're in Southern California. I don't know. I don't know. Scott actually later admitted that for a month in the spring of 2003, he dated Michelle. For a month. Oh, okay. But they parted ways and just remained like good friends. Yeah. Following that, Scott started dating Giselle, with whom he had a rocky relationship. She would get jealous of any female he was close to or had a bond with. Oh, no. Specifically, Michelle. Ay, ay, ay. On October 31st, 2005, Giselle had their daughter and eventually, like, it just. Even with the kid, they just didn't work out, and they broke up. Whoa. They're the kid. That's Yeah, they heavy. have a daughter. <laughs> um, in 2008, Giselle had custody of their daughter, so she like moved back to San Diego. Okay. That was until 2010, two years later, when Scott won 80% custody of of their daughter, so Yikes. he like moved her back to San Francisco. Oof. And Giselle actually ended up moving up closer too, cause to be close to them. Of course. Yeah. And uh, Scott later says that she appeared to be lonely because she didn't have many friends in the area. Oh. And then just one last thing that I found trippy. Just three days before Michelle's disappearance, Scott has actually filed for a restraining order against Giselle. Oh. Um. Yeah, stating that she was becoming increasingly erratic and he and his family feared that she was, quote, trying to take our daughter. <gasps> oh, shit. And that's, I personally think that that was kind of like the tip of the iceberg for her. Yeah. And kind of like gave her the confirmation. Off the rails. <laughs> yeah, basically pushed her off the rails. Yikes. But yeah, um, Giselle was just really... She was 
I would say a little toxic. Um, Sounds like she, it. She was just she became like super furious and super possessive over over Scott, and she just really had it in her head that Michelle and Scott were like together. Were they together? They were together. They did date for a month. Yeah, but that was before. Doesn't even have a kid, right? Yeah, that was before they even had a kid. Yeah, it was like years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, he they did get together shortly after. Okay. He had dated Michelle. Yeah. They only dated for a month, but she was just like, like, so hell bent on like she totally believed that they were like still together, like sleeping together. So weird. They were together for a month. He moved on, like, immediately had a kid, and she's like, you're still thinking about Michelle, you're in love with her. Well, just because uh, if it, her relation, their relationship wasn't working out, so that if she was just trying to blame it all on Michelle. Yeah, she wanted to blame someone else other than herself and him. Yeah, but she went as far as, like, to make several threats to both of them, Michelle and Ooh. Scott. And Scott was, like, so, he was pretty chill about it. He, like, tried many times to, like, assure her, like, you know, we're just friends. It's strictly platonic. Like, so they, those going two did on. remain friends. Scott and Michelle remain friends. Yeah, Scott and Michelle remain friends. Okay, but they were just like friends. Like it was according to both of or him, they were just friends. Nothing was happening. Yeah. Um, but Giselle was not buying it. She was not having it. But yeah, like I said, Giselle basically blamed Michelle for ruining their relationship. Uh, that's not how that works. Um, she just insisted that they were having an affair, which would destroy her chances of getting back together with Scott. Aye, aye, aye. According to Scott, in late twenty or two thousand ten, the three even met up with the counselor to talk about Giselle's allegations about Michelle interfering with their relationship. So Michelle and Scott just eventually parted ways because it was like too much. Yeah, not worth being friends for if yeah. you're literally being threats. <laughs> Yeah, did ass. Um, but yeah, Giselle still like insisted that the two were sleeping together. She became <sighs> obsessed and said the betrayal would cost Michelle her life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Giselle was determined to hunt Michelle down. All she knew was that she lived in a different city and was enrolled in nursing school. Oh my god. So she was very determined, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So she got on her dress by calling one of Michelle's teachers under an assumed alias and pumped her for information. From there, she visited the school where she pretended to be a prospective student. Meanwhile, she swiped a security badge off of an administrator. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> this is like a movie. Right, it did uh, to me the whole oh time when I was God. reading this story. I was like, "Yo, is this a How movie?" Did no one catch on this entire time. Like, this woman's acting like fucking weird. <laughs> oh no, she was quick, but yeah. Then she used the badge to access student records. You know, to it's, get Michelle's info. Is this literally a movie? Just using the badge? Is it like in a room that she had to go to and no one caught her? Like what? Probably. What know. is this? Like a spy movie? <laughs> what the fuck? Um, but yeah, Giselle had gathered enough evidence to conclude that Michelle had started training at the Kaiser Permanente Medical Center in Hayward, California. Whoa. She ended up calling the facility pretending to be Michelle and asked about her schedule, which unfortunately worked. Come on, man. So on May 27th, 2011, Giselle finally cornered Michelle in a parking garage of the Kaiser Permanente Medical Center. The details of their encounter remain a mystery, but things ended with Giselle dumping Michelle's body in the, like, Sunnel Canyon. Fuck. Yeah. Um, I can't believe she, like, literally, like, hunted her down. Like, that's really scary. Right? The effort she went to, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? I would definitely say that that was obsessed, bro. Like, Yes, that, that fits uh, the theme this week, I'd <laughs> say. 
But yeah, uh, after Giselle was arrested and charged, she maintained that she didn't have any involvement in Michelle's disappearance or murder. Okay. She, she entered a not guilty plea when she was indicted on murder charge on December 14th, 2011. Um, and then her trial date was set for September 17th, 2012. Okay. It's like a whole ass year. Yeah. Later. To build her story. Mm. But in court, Giselle's defense was that the victim basically provoked her into killing her. Oh, so now she did kill her. No longer denying this. <laughs> that she was provoked. Okay. But she didn't say how or like why. She was not um, fucking provoked. No. I mean, we all know that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, not to mention, she had left a trail of damning evidence. <laughs> um, which was like the cell phone records of like... Calling all those places. Yeah, calling all the places. Also, like, the blood stains they found on the bottom of her shoes. Yeah, you can't be like, I was provoked. It was a last-minute thing when you'd been, like, literally hunting her down. No, deadass. Deadass, like, At literally. some point, you would realize, like, oh, I have clarity. I don't need to kill her. This was not, no, this is clearly planned. No, deadass. Like, literally, and then all the threats she had sent her. <gasps> yeah. Not to mention the surveillance footage that they found of, like, her in the area. Jesus. Um, but yeah, during the trial, her attorney actually admitted that Giselle had killed Michelle, but argued that it was at most manslaughter. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, wait for it, wait for it. That was sparked by a moment of passion. A moment of passion that had been building up for years. <laughs> that's uh. no, that's not how that works. But yeah, the judge and the jury felt otherwise. <laughs> Good. She was convicted of first-degree murder on October 29th, 2012. They conveyed that the evidence proved that the plan to murder her was predetermined and it was obvious she felt no remorse for what she did. Oh, yeah. Um, the judge, The judge even went as far as to warn her that if she continues to feel like what she did was justified... She might never be paroled. Oh my god. Like they did as so brutal. Sp- yeah. Um, but yeah, on December tenth, twenty twelve, Giselle Esteban was sentenced to twenty five years to life in prison. Holy shit. This is the craziest part. No, okay, nothing else is crazy. No, so. this this was crazy. <laughs> Alright. But while all of this was happening. Giselle was actually pregnant with her second child. With the same dude? She said it was. Uh-huh. But Scott, like, denied, like, commenting on it. And actually, like, after she gave she gave birth, uh, like, right before her hearing. Like, she was already Oof. in custody. And yeah. so they supposedly, like, obviously took it away from her and gave it to the father. Yeah. And I'm assuming it must have been someone else because Scott never like tried to like petition. Like I think like, he, I don't think it was his. Anything. Yeah, you don't think it was his? Okay. Yeah. But she killed her while she was pregnant. I yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, cause she she was in the early stages. Fuck, that's intense. Yeah, she must have, like, just gotten pregnant because she got... Let me go back to the dates. Yeah, how long between uh, Michelle dying and Giselle getting arrested? So, Michelle died on May 27, 2011. And then then she was indicted. Well, she was arrested before that. Well, I didn't write it. But I know they arrested her before they found her body. So she oh. was murdered in May. Yeah. And then they found her body in September. Okay, it's so like four I'm, months. Yeah, I'm pretty they arrested her. <sighs> Damn. I guess I didn't write it. I just wrote that well, they arrested her. <laughs> she was either very barely pregnant or after murdering somebody in cold blood went and was like, I'm gonna make a baby. <laughs> Maybe. Both of which are pretty disturbing to think about. Let me see if I can 
Oh, she was arrested on September 7th. Okay, so maybe she did get pregnant. So she, yeah, she could have. Well, wait. Let's see. When she gave birth? Right before... The hearing. The hearing, which was December. Oh, no. So, so she, yeah, she was pregnant. She already. was pregnant. She probably knew she was pregnant. She was a couple months. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine being killed by a pregnant person. Dude. <laughs> what a twist from the normal stories. That's crazy, but... Yeah, I don't think it was Scott's because I feel like if it was, he would have like petitioned, petitioned custody. Yeah, that's very it's, true. He didn't seem like a bad dad; like he actually cared for his daughter and stuff. Yeah, um, and he actually like graduated school and stuff, and I think he like studied for like finance or something. Oh, okay, nice. So he's, I think he's doing good. He was like a consultant. All things considered, doing good. Yeah, yeah, I think he was he was good. Okay, but yeah, that's the crazy ass story of Michelle and Giselle. I have a couple questions, if you know. All right. Do we know how Michelle died? No. It's so crazy to me whenever people are like, "We don't know." I'm like, "What do you mean you don't know?" It uh, doesn't say how. I, I don't. I think because she was already, like, decomposed, so they couldn't really... I just know there was blood. Yeah, she must have been shot or something, I imagine. Maybe, or, like, stabbed. All right, that's brutal. But I did ask, so fair. Um, (laughs) My next question was actually related to the beginning. I should have asked earlier. So you said she went missing that one night, and the next morning they found her car half a mile away. Yeah, like, like yeah. the next day, yeah. Was she reported missing that night? Or, like, did they just... Her coworkers just think that she, like, left or something and didn't become concerned till the next day? I, I'm i not sure about that. Okay, well, I had some good questions anyway. <laughs> no, I just I, thought it... Oh, sorry, what? Well, I, I know she was training, so I feel like... Because she didn't come back right away. Like she said, she was just going for uh, a, a break. break. So I think that did raise like alarms. Some, yeah. The reason I was wondering is mostly because her car was so close, but they didn't find it until the next day. I was like, how did that take so long? But I guess also half a mile is actually like a lot of place to put a car. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it doesn't sound like much. They probably checked the whole parking garage first. Oh, yes. You're right, you're right. And the whole before, building and stuff. Yeah, before expanding to like, okay, the streets that and makes stuff. Sense. Yeah, I was just wondering. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll move on to my story, I guess. So this week, I'm going to be talking about the murder of Asia McGowan. Asia was born in 1989. Uh Okay, so you're going to be able to tell in a second. I could not find much information about, like, her as a person. Uh, But I do know she had at least one sister who later described her as a beautiful spirit who did everything that she said she was going to do. Asia had a bubbly personality and liked to make people laugh. She was also a supporter of women's right and was an open atheist. Asia's dad spoke of her as a beautiful, aspiring actress and dancer. In 2009, Asia was just 20 years old and was studying at the McKenzie Fine Arts Center at Henry Ford Community College in Dearborn, Michigan. She loved to dance, like I said, and was in a local dance company with plans to hopefully someday try out for the TV show So You Think You Can Dance. Uh, Reportedly, she had been able to play an extra in a couple different movies, including one called Prayers for Bobby. So it seemed like her career dreams. I know. Have you seen that movie? I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Bro, you need to watch it. Oh, shit. Is it good? Yes. It's about <gasps> a gay a gay kid. Oh, okay. That already is all I needed to hear. I'm going to go Oh, yeah. It's about this gay kid and, like, his family is, like, super into the church and, you know, how oh, God. that story oh, yeah. goes. Oh, I do. But it's but... a really good movie. I, I It made me cry. It was a good oh, movie. Oh, shit. I'll I don't remember it. her in it, though. Yeah, she's just an extra. She's probably just, like, in the background somewhere. That's true. I imagine. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I even, like, looked up the Wikipedia and the cast page, but obviously didn't say her name. And I was like, well, I guess they don't just write down every single extra who's in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, but I definitely want to watch it now. 
have you seen Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf, yes. The the cop was the name Parish. That does sound like I think it was Parish. Sounds familiar. I haven't seen it in so long. Um, but that guy, you know how he's all buff. Yeah. Um, he he's he plays Bobby. What the and hell? He was like scrawny as hell. It was when he was younger. Oh my god! I see a picture of him in two thousand nine, and he was very scrawny. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember his real name. The actor Ryan Kelly. Oh, there you go. What a random fun fact that you know, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like this very like niche movie that I think it says it was a lifetime movie. Oh, I think it so, was. He's very Jack now. That's really funny because the picture of him on Wikipedia, he looks hella small. <laughs> There's also I don't remember her name, but she comes out. I think she came out in the Avatar. She comes uh-huh. out in it too as the mom. Oh mm-hmm. damn! I need to oh. watch this movie. Oh, Mary Griffith is in the movie. Is that it? Is that no Mary Griffith? I don't, I just read a name. That's that's <laughs> the name of her character. Her name is Sigourney. Oh, Weedy. I literally read the fucking <laughs> fake character's name. Just kidding. Actually, uh, Mary Griffith is also a real person. But um, I didn't know that was also based on a true story. Yep. Oh, damn. Okay. I'll have to watch that. And I especially want to watch now to see if I can find Asia in the background. Oh, true. That'd be so interesting to see. Um, but yeah, it's a really good movie. I mean, I'm you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm I love movies. <laughs> yeah. I love all the gay movies. I seek yeah, them that too. out. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, imagining, imagining Imagine Me you? and You? Yeah. Uh, do I have eyes, Brandy? I don't know. Do you? I do. Have you seen the Brandon Tina story? Stop. That one's fucked up. Yeah, it is. That one's real fucked up. Uh, True story. But Imagine Me and You was actually, like, my favorite, like, lesbian movie for a little bit. And now I'm older and I'm like, dang, why they always got to have them, like, in a hetero relationship cheating on their significant others? I'm like, can't you just be happy without cheating? There's so many, like, stigmas and shit. But actually, Alaris is the one that, like, showed me that movie. Really? I I hadn't seen it. (laughs) <laughs> it's so good it is good i loved it uh um, except for that part <laughs> the whole married yeah. we actually had a conversation at work about movies today really gay movies specifically no not specifically uh i was just, like any more i need to add to my list no just like in general we were talking about movies because hilarious she doesn't like growing up they would watch movies but mm-hmm. not like really i guess okay there were they like they would have family movie nights and stuff like that um but she was more into books and stuff but like there's a lot of movies yeah. like classic movies like or just a bunch of movies that she's never seen like a lot of classic movies i've never seen i never saw star wars till like last year oh my god <laughs> like, he's never seen like uh what's it called super troopers or like have you seen never seen it blade of glory no of glory Oh my wait, god. Wait, actually, wait. Blades of Glory, I did see. I did see. Or, like, uh, what's the other one? Like, Step Brother? I've seen called? parts of it. Jeez. Yo, you literally sound like Robert. He's always referencing movies, and I'm just like, I think I know what you're talking about. No, like, I'm, I've seen so many movies. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. But I just love movies. Music and movies. That's, that's always been my thing. Your jam. My jam. Eminem. <laughs> yeah i don't have a thing tv shows i think is my thing uh so really like tv shows not as much TV. lately i used to be now, really into reading now too. now if you ask me about tv shows then i'm like kind of like oh i've only seen a few but movies yeah. i've seen a lot i'll get the tv show recommendations you get the movie recommendation <laughs> gotcha but yeah i'm definitely gonna check out this movie i want to see more gay movies always and i would like to see asia in it no, yeah, it's a really good movie. I'd totally recommend. Ooh, one last recommendation, if you haven't seen it, it's French though, so I don't know if you mind reading subtitles, is Portrait of the Lady on Fire or something. Oh, yeah, I remember you told me a while ago, but I still haven't seen it. <laughs> Bro, I was saying alone, reading subtitles, just crying to myself on the couch, because I was like, <laughs> I love this movie. I watched it again a couple months ago, because I was like, I just want to feel something. <laughs> it's really no, good. That actually reminds me on... Um... 
I almost said Instagram. I meant Netflix. You mm-hmm. know how they have like a LGBT like section? Yes. I actually seen a, f- a few because of that. Like because on there. of that movie? Well, no, I mean because it's like on there. Oh, the portrait of Lady on Fire is on Netflix? No, I mean like I've oh. seen <laughs> gay movies because okay. of that like suggestion. So the listeners don't know. I stayed up until 6 a.m. I'm running on like five hours of sleep. That's why I am not getting any social cues right now. But sorry, continue what you're saying. Sorry. Um, but that oh, have you seen Moonlight? Yes, I seen Moonlight. Moonlight was That's good. That's a good movie too. The one thing that annoys me about like every LGBTQ movie, except for Imagine Me and You was more rom-com style, but all the more serious ones is that I'm like, do you guys ever speak to each other? <laughs> like 10 lines the entire movie true and it's just like emotional and i'm like i don't even know why it's emotional but it is it just makes you want to cry yeah (laughs) enough of the tangent yes sorry your story (laughs) so i was gonna say like between the movie extras and her plans to like try out for say thing you could dance it seemed like her career dreams were actually like very possible maybe more than just dreams Oh, shit. So, to further showcase her talent, Asia had a YouTube channel where she would post videos of herself dancing, singing, doing skits, and just, like, being silly with friends and family. I actually watched some of them, and some of them were really funny. She was so cute. And she would just, like, make, like, funny faces and stuff, and I enjoyed it. (laughs) She probably would have been, like, very popular had she not been murdered. Yeah. Um, Anyway... So, back in the day, YouTube was obviously not the same as it is now, and while the majority of videos were, like, music videos, there was also small niches of different communities, like the one Asia belonged to. At the time, it was not uncommon to be responding to people directly from their videos, and in fact, there apparently used to even be a function that made it so you could directly respond to this video with a video of your own. Oh, what the hell? So, yeah, YouTube was truly just... Asking to start drama with that one, but whatever. <laughs> so kind of like uh, on TikTok, how you can do it or stitch. Yeah, it is kind of like that. You would just respond directly. I guess, I think it might have been like, uh, along with comments, it would just be like a video of you talking shit about someone basically and being like, this is why I hated wow. this video. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I you thought that was very interesting. <laughs> So, despite it seeming like Asia pretty much just posted stuff for fun, she unfortunately became a target for online harassment. One channel in particular, named Tony48219, seemed to really have it out for her. Uh, This Tony account belonged to real-life Anthony Powell. So, Anthony Powell was the child of a retired Detroit police officer father and a registered nurse mother. Throughout his life, he had a history of mental illness, and for years his parents had tried to get him the help he needed for his depression and other issues, but it never seemed to work. In 2009, Anthony was 28 years old and had been posting controversial videos to YouTube for two years. By controversial, I mean fucking god-awful videos. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One of his main inspirations is believed to be a fellow YouTuber by the name of Venom Fang X. Venom Fang X himself was a popular and even more controversial YouTuber. Well, not very more anymore. About the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was pretty much just like some asshole Christian crusader who seemed to think that he was at war with atheists. Which is so weird to me. I was like, was there actually like religion battles back in 2009? Yeah, it was very odd. Uh, in one of his videos, Venom Fang X made in a response to someone else, he'd done his makeup to look like Heath Ledger's rendition of the Joker, complete with, like, the voice and the mannerisms, and goes on, like, a 10-minute spiel about, I think, copyrighted material, but honestly, he was so fucking all over the place, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was just weird. I couldn't even watch it all, because this dude is, like, fucking nuts. His impression's actually pretty good, but... It just made it even, like, scarier because I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the first things he actually says in the video is, you guys want to see a magic trick? I'm going to make an atheist disappear. <laughs> and uh, 
The video itself included cuts throughout showing him laughing wildly into his mic. So, yeah, this was the kind of person who Anthony admired and defended in his videos. And I am going to play you a clip. Oh, no. It's, it's weird. I'll press charges against you unless you leave YouTube for a year. You know, I really appreciate that, but uh, there's a problem. Do you guys want to see a magic trick? I'm going to make an atheist disappear. He's just, he's just nutty, dude. Uh, yeah. And but I guess does, he It is a pretty good impression. I hate that it's a good impression. It was funny, though, because one of the comments says, to be fair, that's a pretty good Joker impression, probably because he's already a sociopathic clown. <laughs> I thought that was fucking great. But uh, this dude, like, still, I guess, pops up, like, just a few years ago, he popped up just to be, like, battling atheists. I'm like, bro, let it go. Like, you're yeah, stuck bro. in the past, man. But, uh, yeah, Anthony would make videos defending him. <laughs> And if that's his influence, you know, it's not going to be good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, so like I said before, when I call Anthony's videos controversial, they're just downright wrong. They're sexist and racist. And for some reason, he really had it out for atheists. Don't know why. But he had posted dozens of videos himself criticizing people. And a particular atheist who he deemed to be disgusting and evil. But this is not even the worst that his video's gone. He liked to talk about how women needed to be obedient, submissive, and subservient to their husbands. And one of those. Yeah. In particular, he liked to attack black women. Anthony, who was literally black himself, posted one video. Yeah. A lot of internalized racism going on here. Because he posted Mm -hmm. one video, which he titled, Black Women Don't Deserve Respect. And in this video, he ranted that black women were all sexually promiscuous and that every day they killed over a thousand babies by having abortions. What? Yeah, it's he's just a fucking moron. And weirdly enough, like, he'd go on these awful tirades, name a video how black women don't deserve respect, and then he would also complain in videos about how black women weren't attracted to him and preferred to date deadbeats. And I'm like, this math isn't mathing. Like, what are you doing? You're like adding up. Yeah, he was a very uh, early internet incel, basically. <laughs> just a uh, fucked up dude. Of course, some of his accounts were suspended, and he would frequently have to cycle through different ones, but he was able to maintain his mostly conservative Christian audience. Even when he got hate, it's a lot of people believe that it just made him feel more powerful, like important and strong. Like, oh my god, people do want to listen to me. This matters. And like, it didn't. But, uh, yeah, this audience compelled him to keep making videos. A lot of people theorize that Anthony found Asia's page when she had previously posted a video where she mentions being an atheist, and he soon began to harass her. He would post hateful comments on all of her videos, not even just the ones about, like, religion and women's right. And if you saw her videos, like... Literally, just, like, her and I think her sister, like, dancing for two minutes to a song and, like, singing the song and just being goofy. And he would just, like, post hate on those. I don't know what the comments said. I wasn't able to find that. I probably don't want to know, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So, like I said, he had to use multiple accounts because they kept getting suspended. And he even created ones with no content on them, literally for the sole purpose of berating Asia. Following all of the hate she was getting, Asia posted a response video. I told you, they, people loved their response videos back then. <laughs> she posted it on April 6, 2009 and entitled it, Asia's YouTube Haters. In this video, she called out the people leaving her these comments, some of whom, she pointed out, didn't even have videos themselves. And near the end of the video, she advised these haters to bounce off the screen and bounce off my page. She's like the most 2009 thing ever. <laughs> In other words, fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, basically, she said in a much nicer way. (laughs) But this was the last video she ever posted. Damn. Oh, I also don't know if I mentioned before, uh, but it's relevant because, like, his uh, videos about hating black women because Asia was a black woman. Mm -hmm. And supposedly, I read this on, like, one source in one of his videos, he might have been talking about liking a girl named Asia. But... 
I can't confirm that. So I almost didn't even include it because I think I only saw it in one article, but I guess it is worth mentioning. So Anthony, meanwhile, seemed to become more and more withdrawn in his own videos. Viewers were concerned for his mental health, especially when he began to express suicidal thoughts. In one video, he said that he was planning on killing himself. He made a mention of how he owned a shotgun, saying, There's absolutely nothing for me to do in this life. I don't have no purpose. There's no point. There's no point to me living anymore. I really am thinking about killing myself, and I'm pretty much going to do it, and I'm so scared. He also noted that it isn't going to be pretty. So, one of his viewers actually reached out to police to alert them to Anthony's suicidal ideation. According to this person, the police simply told them, I was unable to view the video. According to the site, I have to have a sign-in. Like, uh, so someone's making threats about killing themselves, and you're like, fuck, I have to make an account? Oh, damn. Well, I can't well, do it. R.I.P. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Fucking morons, dude. On April 10th, 2009, 12-year-old Christian Plunka was headed to the Henry Ford campus to do an interview with the college radio station to promote a production. Obviously, he was too young to go to school there, but apparently it wasn't uncommon for the college to pull like younger kids to be in their theater productions, which is exactly what he'd been doing the past couple of years. It was a Friday morning, and the school wasn't as busy as usual, as it also happened to be Good Friday. Christian arrived on the campus around 11 a.m. and already had a feeling that something was off. He was running a little late, as the group he was meeting was supposed to meet in the hallway of a building, but someone had apparently decided that they should instead meet in the actual theater, a change which nobody had told the 12-year-old. If this didn't get darker, I'd be like, you guys are assholes. Come on. He's a child. <laughs> Just letting him wander around a college campus looking for people. It's kind that's, of sad. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> Yeah, he had to wander around for a while, but eventually he was able to find them. I'm wondering if that's why things fell off, or if it's just hindsight's 2020, you know, where, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could be a little of both. Yeah, because I guess it it wasn't like a normal start to the day for him. He already like wasn't able to find them, and maybe had to, things like, were... go look for them. Yeah, he had to go look for them, and things could have been different if like he found them earlier. I don't know, but. They began to record for the interview, and, like, all was going well for about 10 minutes until the group suddenly heard someone screaming for help from the doorway to the theater. Obviously, Christian was concerned, but the college students assured him everything was fine. People were always dramatically practicing their lines or trying to prank them by yelling. Despite the reassurance, Christian still felt uncertain, as you should when you hear someone screaming for help. Who cares if it's a prank? Better to check than to just assume. Not too long after the first screams, the group heard a gunfire. Rather than running, 12-year-old Christian kind of went to autopilot and found himself going towards the noise to investigate. (laughs) Which I'm like, boy, like, you could have gotten fucking murdered. I I guess it's... I don't want to say it's good that he went because he saw, like, stuff, but... um. That could have ended so badly. But it's still kind (laughs) of good that he went. Yeah. But, uh... I'm glad that he didn't get killed. (laughs) He left the area in search of where the noise was coming from. And I guess he went up like a certain hallway. And apparently from there, you have like a vantage point and you could see past glass doors to see what was happening. I kind of imagine it like a door in the middle of a hallway, you know, like he wasn't actually in this other hallway. He could just see. Mm -hmm. But about 30 feet from where he was standing... Christians could see Asia running out of a classroom, screaming, before being shot in the back. He, yeah, he saw her go to the floor, relatively limp, and saw her attempt to call for help one last time. He then saw Anthony come out of the classroom, grab her, and drag her back into the room. And the 12-year-old then heard a second gunshot, the one that killed Asia. Sheesh. How traumatic is that, dude? Very. So Christian went back to warn the other students, and when he made it back to the theater, they heard at least one more shot. Luckily, there was a door in the back of the stage in the theater, and the group was able to escape the building and seek shelter in an adjacent parking lot. As they were about 20 feet out of the door, they heard another final gunshot. 
They also spotted what he estimates was about 80 to 100 SWAT team members and police officers, some of whom had actually already been on the way to campus to investigate an assault, but got notified about the gunshots while en route. Hmm. Which is very convenient. Yeah. I don't know if the assault was like them. Like Maybe someone actually did hear their screaming and maybe and call called. for help. Otherwise, that's just a crazy lucky coincidence. Well, not lucky because I guess they died, but a crazy coincidence. All 17,000 students who attended the school received an alert notifying them about the gunshots that had been heard. As well as the law enforcement outside, there was also a team inside nearing the hallway where Asia had been shot. They'd just been entering the hall when they heard the last shot go off. It's estimated that the time between Asia's initial screams for help and the final gunshot was only around 13 minutes. Damn. I hate how quick stuff happens, Brandy. I hate it. I'm like, it should take at least 12 hours for someone to die. What do you mean it took 13 minutes? That's crazy. Scares me. In an empty classroom, the team found the deceased bodies of Asia and Anthony. It appeared that Anthony had murdered Asia before turning the gun on himself and committing suicide. It didn't look like anyone else had been in the room. So, I didn't mention this before, but Asia and Anthony actually knew each other in real life. So, uh, yeah, so he was, like, doing all these comments and stuff, and he knew her because they attended at least one theater class together where she performed and he helped out to build performance sets. What the fuck? I wasn't able to confirm, but, like, I'm pretty fucking sure she did not know that her classmate Anthony was the one who had been harassing her online. And I don't know how well they knew each other either. Like, I don't know how big these classes were, and they were obviously doing different things. Mm -hmm. So it could just be, like, they were acquaintances. I don't – they definitely weren't, like, friends or anything. They just, like, knew of each other. Yeah, exactly. And she didn't know that he apparently fucking knew a lot about her, which is so scary. Uh, It's not clear why exactly the two were in the 70 classroom to begin with, as they had already had their class together earlier that same day. Some people do theorize that perhaps they'd been paired up for an assignment and agreed to meet there, with Asia having no idea that Anthony was harboring literally homicidal hatred towards her, for whatever fucking made-up reason he had. Following the murder-suicide, many people on YouTube began to create more reaction videos to the deaths, some of whom put the blame on Venom Fang X. Who created a video himself. In the video, he tries to distance himself from Anthony, saying how he didn't even know him, and he completely ignores the major influence that he obviously had on this killer. In the video, he's also seen expressing his sympathies for the deaths and spoke to the families of Anthony and Asia, saying, God loves you, and God loved Tony, and God loved the young lady who was killed. What's wrong with that fucking sentence? Um, she didn't, he didn't say her name. He didn't say her name. He said the murderer's name, who he was trying to distance it from, and didn't say the literal murder victim's name. How weird is that? The Barry. That guy fucking sucks. So Anthony's parents themselves were quoted as saying, if my child was going to kill himself, I would prefer he do himself and not anyone else who was innocent. They maintained that while they knew he suffered from mental illness, they had no idea that he was capable of murder. They also, in a couple interviews, or not interviews just quotes i heard rather again don't refer to asia by name and just refer to her as that dead child which is weird no one referring to her by name it's kind of weird that is weird i wasn't able to see any quotes by asia's family though so that was unfortunate but according to one source the police never investigated that original report of suicidal threats by anthony until days after he'd already taken the life of an innocent young woman and himself They finally were able to make that YouTube account, I guess. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. Uh, Talking about how they originally didn't try because they didn't have an account, one article quoted a woman named Cecily. I I couldn't find their last name. But she said, I'm sitting here feeling like the lives of black women are quite cheap indeed. So cheap that the cost of registering for a YouTube account was too great to potentially prevent a murder from happening. And I feel like that just sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, that is the story of Asia McGowan. It's a sad one. Damn. Especially watching her YouTube videos, like, it made it more real, you know? Because she's just, like, cute and happy and, like, dancing and having fun. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man. That sucks. 
And her last video was just like a few days before he killed her. That's so sad. I know. I'm assuming that he killed her. I'm. This is my guess. Is that he saw her response video like to her haters and felt like called out and got so angry that he decided to kill her. But Makes sense. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that no one knows why they were in the same room together or anything. Like, if he tricked her, if they were supposed to meet, if she was just in there alone and he, like, ambushed her. But regardless, he had his gun and he knew what he was going to do. But yeah. Don't be... Don't be Anthony. That's my <laughs> advice for everyone. And don't be Giselle either. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Please don't. Please don't fucking obsess over people online and murder them. They're not online, just in general. <laughs> but yeah, uh, anything else, Dad Brandy? <laughs> um, no. No, all right. Well, if any of you would like to, to send... <laughs> Five hours of sleep, okay? I'm used to like eight and a half to nine. That's okay. If, if, I don't know how I did it. Oh, context for everyone. Uh, me and Robert are streaming on Twitch. We have a RuneScape podcast that we like stream for. It's called Boon Babe, if anyone's interested, if anyone plays that. But we got 24 subscribers. So we we're like, okay, we're going to do a 24 hour stream. He only lasted 18 and a half because it was awful. But I stayed up for a lot of it and it was really bad. And I'm so tired. I usually go to sleep like 10 p.m. and I didn't go to sleep till 6 a.m. It was brutal. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, if you want to send us any of your stories or just say hi, you can at thespookyshit.pod at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are spookyshit underscore pod, and our website is spookyshit-pod.com. You could leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts if you want. That would be pretty cool. And also, we have some merch that you could check out on any of our social media. It's on our link tree. But, yeah, I think that's about it. And we'll catch you all on the flippity flip. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>